Welcome to the 100k Freelancer Club podcast, live podcast, vlogcast, videocast. I'm not really sure what to call this, but um, <laughs> it's good to be back. It's been a while since I've been on the show and um, I've been busy, Jacob's been busy, everyone's been busy and uh, of course we've all been busy trying to get our plans sorted for 2022. Thanks for joining us. This is just a little um, introduction to what we're planning to do over the next few weeks and months it's good to have you with us and to be perfectly honest it has been a long long time since we've done one of these jacob mainly my fault so i will apologize straight away <laughs> how have right, you been for the been, last yeah, few you've months you've been a busy old man a busy, <laughs> a busy old man yeah <laughs> well after the picture of that lamp you sent me earlier you guys just, you don't know your age anymore well, yeah, I've got a very boring, plain, bland setup compared to you, who looks like you're about to launch off with Elon Musk into outer space. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you've been uh, working on trying to get your room lit accordingly <laughs> over the last couple of days. But um, we're, we're what I think we're now 14 days, 15 days in um, ish to 2022 how's it been so far for you mate yeah mate we're actually 17 days in but yeah no it's been it's been a really hard sort of strong start to the year jumping and working on multiple projects as always i'm always the type of person that's never set working on one project one fixed thing so i i, I don't know if i would ever benefit from just switching to just focus on one thing but it's not something that i'm overly fond of doing but in terms of how good the year's been i think you know a good start to the year nice and positive nice and productive these past couple of days as well took me a bit of time to adjust after christmas but it's off to a good start yeah what about yourself it seems to be with these podcasts or this is the first live podcast that we've done but the first live session there is all there's always one technical difficulty <laughs> how are you doing I'm, <laughs> you back i'm alive i'm alive i thought do you know what just to mess with you i thought i'd just sit still for about 10 minutes and see whether you noticed <laughs> no i'm good um northern wi-fi northern internet um i'm using a wired connection so i'm a bit disappointed that it's uh that it's cut out but um i'm back i'm alive and uh yeah ready to ready to actually talk <laughs> oh here we go i've actually forgotten what you're asking um i think it was about how the start of 2021 was and i was just yeah jumping in and saying that it's been a surprisingly productive start to 2021 for me. Obviously, we posted on the 100K Instagram page as well about productivity tips, and I sort of just applied them because there's always that slump of, especially when, you know, as a freelancer, being your own boss, there's no one breathing down your neck really to get things done. It's more like up to you to actually, you know, put in the energy and get the results. So mm. I think for me, it was kind of hard as always, coming back after Christmas, I took quite a long time off. I took two weeks, more or less, uh, maybe even two and a half weeks, just chilling at home with the family, doing literally nothing. And then jumping back in and trying to get ultra productive straight away is always a difficult task. Like just opening that laptop again for the first time and staring at it, I have this moment of like 10, 15 minutes where I just, I can't bring myself to actually type anything, to do anything. But um, jumping back into 
what we said in last year's podcast, which was a big success as well, and what we've you know took from that and posted on Instagram is just writing down all of the tasks, putting them in priority order, and then in those unproductive moments when you feel unproductive and when you're procrastinating, just starting with the smallest task. Because for me, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation around. Do you start with the biggest and hardest task first and just dive into that, and get it out of the way, or do you do the smallest task? For me, it's always the smallest one. Like if I can just do that, send this email, add this account. That notion of ticking it off like the to do list really gets the ball rolling for me. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting because you know you mentioned about productivity in the start of 2022. Actually, today, this Monday, has been. I don't know whether it's been scientifically proven, but it's according to some sort of study, it's been revealed as this day is the most depressing day of the year. And it's been nicknamed Blue Monday, this particular day that we're streaming on now. And actually, I think that it's a hangover, no pun intended, from all of the festivities that a lot of people do experience over the, you know December and into January celebrating Christmas, whether you do or you don't um, in this country. It's certainly a time in which people do relax and spend with their families. New Year, the same. And for you, based over in in Spain, it's, you know, up till the 6th of January. So what was that? Not even two weeks ago now. So I can totally understand why with the with the weather being a little bit more miserable in January, you know, the nights come early, you know, it's dark by 4.30. Um, I can understand why people feel a little bit kind of like they want to hibernate, like the productivity is down. I think that's totally normal. And I felt very, very similar. And in fact, I was quite in a similar vein in terms of how I was feeling towards the end of 2021. I, I was really excited for Christmas. I couldn't wait for it to come because, you know, I'd, I'd been really busy. I had a really back, busy back end. The last final six months of last year it was exceptionally busy for me, hence sort of my absence on this. And... Uh, I went on holiday, um, really needed that, and that was in early to mid-November, and I kind of was free-rolling, kind of coasting my way to the end of the year from then. And I think a lot of it's to do with wellness and looking after yourself, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying yourself, um, but maybe I just, I, I was a little bit too lax when it came to, to looking after myself. So I think freelancing is all about striking a balance. And we've been freelancers for a number of years now. And I'm still trying to get the balance right. And I'm not afraid to admit that. And, you know, it's easy for people to, for some people to fall into a rhythm. They might have been a freelancer for six months and they've got the perfect balance. There might be other freelancers who've been doing it for six years, 16 years, 30 years, and they're still trying to find that right balance. So I'm not afraid to admit that, you know, trying to get the balance right between your downtime, your leisure time, and your work time, and getting that right um, it is still something I'm trying to find. And like I say, I'm not afraid to reveal that. And I think that productivity is, a, um, it, it comes kind of hand in hand with that. It's natural for there to be peaks and troughs, you know, rises and dips in your productivity. And I find that a lot. I find yeah, that some, yeah, I find that some days I can sit in front of my laptop and I can do 10 hours work and just completely breeze through it. Um, I can sometimes sit in front of my laptop and it takes me 10 days to do 10 hours worth of work. And that's just sometimes how it goes. That's the sort of person I am. And sometimes I have to take a step back and remind myself what motivates me. What gets me out of bed in the morning? What makes me want to do what I'm doing? What makes me realize that the journey that I'm on is exactly where I want to be? And um, I think sometimes you do have to do that. And I think getting the balance right is key to productivity. And it's something I'm still trying to find. I think being motivated, 
is key to productivity. The more motivated you are, the more likely you are to want to put the hours in and put the graft in. That's not to say I'm not motivated. I, I really enjoy what I do, but I think it's hard to stay motivated 100% of the time, all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 30 days a month, 365 days a year. And those people that do do that will find that they burn out at some point, And that's not a nice place to be in either. So in terms of productivity, I do think January is a tough time for all the factors that I've mentioned before. But it's certainly something that a lot of people will be working on throughout their freelance life. And they'll know you'll get a feeling when you get the right balance. Um, and sometimes it can go massively one way where you're completely overloaded with work. And sometimes it can go the other way where you're probably enjoying yourself a little bit too much and you need to focus. There's no right or wrong way to doing freelancing. It's about what feels comfortable for you. And, um, you know, it's a journey that we're all on and one that I'm still learning on. And so, yeah, when it comes to productivity, those would be my main takeaways, particularly what are we now nearly three weeks into the new year? That's how I felt. Just trying to take a step back, visualize things for 2022 and see what will fit me the best, really. Yeah, I mean, going on what you're saying now, I don't think I'm ever going to find that perfect balance because I feel for me, the optimum balance changes from month to month, year to year, even week to week. I, I think it depends on what's happening in my life externally, friends, family, events that's going on. You know, obviously around the Christmas period, you, you're seeing more people going to more events, same thing in the summer. So you need to adapt it to what you're actually doing. And I think in terms of productivity as well, nobody can ever be 100% productive all the time. And it's just stupid to aim for that. And in motivation as well, coming like if, if you compare productivity to motivation, like you're not going to be motivated all the time. Like sometimes I struggle to get my ass out of bed, you know, like it's <laughs> cold, it's nice and warm in the bed. I know I've got like a million different admin tasks to do, but if you can just, you know, I'm not motivated to do it, but I don't know what it is that gets me out and actually does it, but you push past it and you're productive. Mm. It's not because, I mean, we had a podcast in the past where I, I can't remember if we had a, a guest on for it, but do you remember we talked about toxic hustle culture? Yeah. It's just all about people on Instagram and social media sites like Twitter and stuff just posting, you know, team no days off, work 24-7. Well, yeah, good luck with that, mate. Like, it, it, I mean, hats off to you if you're the type of person that can work 24-7 without, you know, having to take a break or having to focus on anything else or even enjoy yourself but I think for the majority of people it's just not realistic and you shouldn't you shouldn't even aim for it you know what a great example of this is I quite like using analogies to break things down and I, I guess some people are the same when it comes to that and a good way to think of it is I don't know what's your, what's your favorite chocolate or sweets JB uh, at the moment because of all the post Christmas goodies I've got Terry's chocolate orange is sat in the oh. number one position <laughs> I've actually got half a Terry's chocolate orange in the fridge, funnily enough. Everyone gets one for Christmas, <laughs> like a tradition. But um, say then, Terry's chocolate orange, your favourite chocolate at the moment. Would you want to eat Terry's chocolate orange every day this year? No. No, you wouldn't, would no. you? You know, Definitely and not. we we all love what we do as freelancers. That's kind of the reason we are freelancers, because we can choose our own hours. We can forge a career path that we want to forge. And these are all positives we've spoken about on the podcast before, things that we enjoy when it comes to freelancing. And there are pros and cons to freelancing. But I wouldn't want to eat Terry's chocolate orange every day for a year. And much like we all enjoy what we're doing, sometimes doing the same thing every day for a year 
can get on your nerves. And that's not to say you don't enjoy it. So for me, I work in football. I absolutely love the game. I've loved the game since I was a kid. I've played football. I've watched football. I've been in the stands as a fan. I've been in the stands as a neutral. I've been to different countries watching football. I commentate on football. And now it's my job, you know, to work on football, to report, to talk about it. It is my job. And it's also a passion and a hobby. But if you do something ultimately over and over and over and over again, it can get a little bit grating and taxing. And I love football as much as the next person and I'm utterly privileged to do it as my job. But sometimes it's okay to take a break from that because it makes you appreciate it a little bit more when you do come back to it. And I think that that's essential. And, you know, you talk about that toxic hustle culture and the team no days off thing. Um, You know, having no days off is not something to boast about, in my opinion. Um, It's more more about what you achieve, um, not how short a time it takes you to achieve it. You know, if you think of something like Sylvester Stallone, who wrote the script for Rocky, um, I don't know whether this story is true or not, but certainly I've heard this as as an anecdote from a few people who have sort of been inspirationally speaking about something. You know, Sylvester Stallone had the script for Rocky and he was rejected by many film studios over the years for that movie until eventually someone picked it up from him when he had very little money to his name and said, we really like this movie. We want to buy it off you. And he said, the only way you can get this script off me is if you cast me as Rocky. And he got the part off the back of that because they liked the script. So he waited and he waited and he waited and he trusted in his process and he believed in himself. And it took a long, long time. But eventually, you know, he got the success he wanted. And I think that that is not through no lack of effort. It's sometimes just through luck and being in the right place at the right time. So With that in mind, I think for me, if I was to watch football every single day for a year, it sounds like a dream for most lads. But trust me, you will get a bit bored of it after a while. And it's important, therefore, to kind of take a step back and, you know, enjoy your downtime. But also, I think that allows you to enjoy the work that you're doing. So, for instance, I watch a lot of football. Um... When football's on the telly, I'll make a point to watch the games I need to watch and the ones I want to watch. But if there's any old games on the TV that I'm not really too bothered about, I'll leave them to one side and I'll spend some time, you know, with my loved ones or I'll spend some time gaming or I'll go out for a walk or I'll do something else because I think that's important. So as much as freelancing is about choosing your own hours and we often say don't take your work home with you, but when you're freelancers, you can't really help it. We're always by our phones checking out what what the next opportunity is. I think sometimes you do have to be careful and mitigate really what your time is in front of the thing you're actually working on, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfectly. But I mean, for you, it must be even harder because football is, you know, your passion, you really enjoy it, but you also work in it. So you could be on a day off and go to a football game. And, but when you're working, you're commentating on the game. So I mean, mm. how do you manage that? Because it's not, I, I guess it's the same as people that are, let's say, freelance artists. So they draw things in their free time just for fun, but then mm. they're drawing and painting for clients or creating pieces to sell. Like, how do you actually cope with that? It's a good question because, do you remember when we were at uni, we went to different unis, by the way, but just as a kind of a general point, when we went to uni and then we'd come back to our hometown on a a bank holiday or a, a you know a Christmas break or something and you bump into people in town in the pub that you haven't seen in six months a year two years whatever and they'd always ask you hey how's it going how's uni right and you don't mind answering that question once 
maybe twice. Uh, yeah. But then every person you bump into is asking you how's uni and you just get a bit fed up of answering the same question after a while. And it's just a bit like, oh, it's not really that that important. But that was for me personally anyway. I didn't really want to talk about it after a couple of questions because it's like, I've just had this conversation two minutes ago with someone else I haven't seen for six months that I probably won't see for another year. And it doesn't really matter that much. So I guess when it comes to that, I feel a little bit like that at times when I've worked at a game and um, people say, oh, did you see this? I was like, well, well yeah, I was there. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was commentating <laughs> on the game. Of course I saw it. Um, you'd like to think so anyway. Um, and instead of that getting on my nerves, I've kind of learned to understand that people are asking that question because they're genuinely interested in the job that I do. And I think that's a blessing, really. Um, yeah. I think I'm in a privileged position for people to actually ask me questions about the job I do because they're genuinely interested because, you know, I growing up never knew any commentators or football broadcasters firsthand. And obviously that would be the same situation for many people, you know, from the small corner of the country that we come from. Um, there's not many people. I mean, there's not many people I know like you who who are web developers and, and who have multiple businesses. You know, you're unique to me in that respect. And you're someone I can go to for advice on certain things. And we've got a strong friendship. And, you know, that's something that I would like to think that you wouldn't be frustrated at me for asking those questions because I'm genuinely interested in what you're doing. So that was an obstacle I had to get over pretty, pretty early, really, because people are only asking questions, not just to be nice, but also because they're genuinely interested. And I think that that's actually a privilege to be in that position. So that's one thing I would say in terms of dealing with, um, of, of of the job in itself it is quite um it is quite a difficult thing sometimes because i don't know about you but I, i'm often looking for feedback and, and praise really not praise in the sense of oh pat me on the back i've done a good job but it's nice to be told when you've done a good job and it's also equally useful albeit not nice when you've not done a good job and someone wants a little bit better yeah. so feedback i think is essential and now in our industry you do get feedback but when you're exposed to something like viewers, so when, I, when I'm on the TV, um, the viewers are the most important thing because if they don't like what they're watching, then you'll know about it. Uh, and especially with things like YouTube now and social media where people do have the anonymity. Um, I mean, YouTube comments are brutal, <laughs> absolutely brutal. So um, sometimes things get posted on YouTube and people comment saying this person's terrible at their job, this person's an idiot. And it's learning not to read that is is something that I've had to overcome as well. So there are all, always obstacles you have to overcome because, you know, I want to see what people think. Um, but you're kind of looking with a view to it being positive and you have, kind of have to take stock and think, well, it's not all going to be positive. But it's never nice to kind of be subjected to, to some comments when people are inevitably not going to like you. And I think especially in my field of work where I'm I'm just another person and it's impossible for every person on earth to like everyone they come into contact with it's just not possible i can think of people now that i dislike and that i don't really want to watch on the tv probably not because they're not a nice person but i just they're just not my cup of tea and that's something in this industry you kind of have to to deal with which i think is unique to freelancers in which you know you might not get a job just because you're not someone's cup of tea and that doesn't mean that you're a bad worker or a bad freelancer or bad at your job so those are all things that I've had to kind of overcome, particularly in the football environment where that is then amplified by a hundred times because the scrutiny is so massive in the sport. So 
you know, these are all things I'm still still learning. Like I said before, I mean, it's it's all a learning process. It's all a journey. But I would say those two things, you know, learning to accept feedback, positive or negative, and distance yourself from um, kind of obtuse opinion because everyone's got an opinion and it's not always what you want to hear, but sometimes it's important for you to take on board. But at the same time, distance yourself from what you don't need to read, like the abuse and stuff, which will be inevitable, sadly, in, in the modern day. Um, and, you know, and the, and the other thing was kind of listen to what people have to say when they're asking you questions. A lot of the time it's because they're genuinely interested. So they're the two things that probably I would take away from trying to balance the job that I do. I don't know whether you've got any similar experiences. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's really a different experience altogether because it's not like I'm doing, I don't want to say I'm not doing my passion because that sounds really bad, but let's just say my passion, for example, is snowboarding, right? I've always had this thought at the back of my mind that, you know, if I, I really wanted to make a living doing that, you could go into some sort of, you know, I could be uh, an extreme sports videographer, snowboard instructor, anything like that where you're day in day out snowboarding but for me every time I think about that and every time I get closer to the process of actually taking a leap and doing it I always think it would kill snowboarding for me it would kill that experience for me like right it's I mean I mean another example is I think everybody nowadays wants to be um, like a streamer they want to stream video games and uh, become a famous twitch streamer because they get to play video games all day with their friends and stuff like that but if you've ever actually sat down and streamed video games alone for 12 hours, you hate the game the next day. like, Or maybe not the <laughs> next day, but try doing that for a week and you absolutely hate it. But then if you, if you were to try and apply that to a career, it has to be something very long term. We're talking years in the making. And then obviously once you're making money, you want to continue making money. So, you know, 10 years streaming video games, Fortnite, League of Legends or something like that, it's just over and over and over again it's just i think it's it just destroys kind of hobbies and interests it's a great point yeah it really is i mean because i mean we can go back to when we first started doing the podcasts all of them are still available by the way wherever you get your podcasts you can get them um 100k freelancer club podcast apple podcast spotify etc so you can listen back to these if you want to but when we first started talking about um, the journeys we've been on to get to where we are as freelancers. This was last year or maybe the year before we were talking about this. Um, I mentioned about how I'm a Portsmouth fan. That's the team I support. And I used to work there. Um, you know, when I was 21, 22 and I got that job, it was my dream job. When I left that job in the circumstances that I didn't want, I was absolutely devastated. And it tarnished my relationship with something I love really dearly, which is the team I support. And I still go and watch Portsmouth as much as I can when I'm not working myself. Um, and that was damaged, not beyond the repair. I feel a little bit more connected to the club now than I did. But um, that was tough. You know, they say, don't they, never meet your heroes. And I think it's yeah. it's kind of similar to that because I think you're right. I think that your enjoyment of snowboarding might have deteriorated somewhat had you gone into that industry and and kind of experienced it in that way. And a lot of people say, "Oh, what a brilliant job you you get to um to, to you know to commentate on Portsmouth." All the Pompey fans would say that to me, um, and it was it was a brilliant job. It was the best job in the world for me at that time. I couldn't have wanted to do anything more. I was kind of living my dream at 21, 22, which was brilliant. But the way it ended was so sour 
it, it kind of made me not want to watch Portsmouth anymore. And this is a team that I've followed for years and that I'm really passionate about. So I totally get what you're saying about the snowboarding thing. And I think that that's a, a natural kind of reaction to some doing something that, you know, you have your eyes set on. There's nothing to say you can't follow your dream and make it a success, but you also need to be prepared to perhaps somewhat damage your relationship with that if it doesn't go the way you want it to. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I, I don't think there's truly a connection between your passion and working with your passion. Maybe I've worded that a bit wrong, but people always say, like, oh, you should work on what you're passionate with. Like, for me, in the industries that I'm working in, so marketing, for example, it's not exactly that I'm super passionate about marketing. It's more that I'm passionate about the potential and how far yeah. I can push it. Like, I can see the results of what I do and the impact of what's happening. And it's more yep. a curiosity of mine than a passion. It's a curiosity of how far can I push this? How educated in this field can I get? How yep. successful in this field can I get? Where can it go? It's, it, it's less about the enjoyment of being sat down in actually creating mm. marketing campaigns, for example, than more about the visualization of how far I can push it. That's just how it is for me anyway. I don't know how about yeah. everybody else. It's a brilliant point and one that I think needs to be taken into consideration. If you're a freelancer listening to this or, you know, who's part of the 100K Freelancer Club, who is already doing exactly what you want to do, you're in a pretty fortunate position because there are a lot of freelancers that are kind of chasing different threads and going down different avenues in order to get to that point. And I guess a good example would be, I hope he doesn't mind me um, dropping his name here, but there's a, a guy I know called Toby Mott. Um, who was at uni with me and I used to work with him actually. We used to work in a supermarket together. It's funny how things work out. <laughs> and um, Toby went to Australia. I think he was traveling at the time. And when he was out in Australia, he uh, became a runner for the famous TV show called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Now, if you don't know what a runner is in TV production, it's kind of the bottom rung of the ladder or the first step on the ladder, I should say, to give it a more positive twist. And... Um, Toby did that in Australia for a couple of series and built up the trust and the respect of the team and he's worked his way up and now he's in an assistant producer role and I'm pretty sure he produces the Bush Tucker Trials which is like the most famous part of the show where all the celebrities are kind of getting dumped in insects and cockroaches and eating nasty food and putting things in their mouths and the kind of the, the kind of key point of the show one of the highlights of the show every time it's on the telly is that Bush Tucker trial. And now he plays a crucial role in getting that operational for the TV cameras. So, you know, this is someone who, you know, probably didn't want to be a runner straight away, but was living the experience and he was taking steps on the route to where he wants to go. You know, it's a great example, particularly in TV is, is you know, what I can speak of from my experiences, the amount of people now that you see in front of the camera or in high up producer roles, they started by doing running jobs or by doing entry-level jobs, you know, whether that be junior producer or, like I say, a runner, something like that. And then they work their way up the ladder, all still well on a freelance basis. And you earn the trust of the client that you're working for. And sometimes that's how it goes. So, you know, not everyone goes into the job that they want to do immediately. They kind of have to earn those stripes and earn those chips. And like what you mentioned about marketing, you know, if marketing gets to a place where it is your kind of real passion, um, that might not be the case. But at the moment, you're working on it at a level in which you're engaged in it, 
but you're kind of trying to steer it in a direction that you want it to go. And I think that there's a lot of people that probably feel similar in what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, 100% uh, agree with you there. Like, it, you're never going to be able to just think of what you want to do and jump into that perfect position straight away. Because we, we get a lot of questions, um, a lot of emails through to 100K Freelancer Club about, well, more about getting started as a freelancer, but that's there's still, everyone's trying to find what they want to do. They're always saying, okay, where's the best area to work freelance? They're not really focused on kind of what they want to do or how to get there. It's just where the most money is. And that's on the other side of the spectrum as well, right? Where they're chasing just the potential returns on that. They're completely ignoring the passion and the interest side of things. And they're just jumping on over to uh, to the money side of things. And I don't know what, you know, which lane I'm in, whether because... I'm not going to lie, like money is a massive motivator for me in everything sure. I do. Like, I think one of my main interests is business and I like to flip things and obviously I like to like, make money like everybody. So I don't, I don't want to say that um, it's, it's necessarily a bad thing trying to follow the highest paid industry or the highest paid jobs or something like that. But like, what's your opinion on that side of things? For the people that come to us and say, you know, hey, I'm looking to get into freelancing, what's the highest yeah. paid job? Like, what's your opinion on that type of question rather than I'm, I have this skill, this skill, this skill, what should I do? My opinion on that question is it's a valid question. It's an understandable question, but it's one that you need to be prepared to be beaten back with the answer by because there are some freelancers that will turn around and say, well, what are you bothering for? And there are others that will say, fair play, best of luck, hope you achieve it. And I think that you will find a balance of people that will agree with you and disagree with you when it comes to answering that question. That would be my pragmatic answer. My answer would be, great, good for you, but be prepared to graft your ass off until you get what you want because it isn't going to happen straight away. Um, and, and, you know, that's the kind of the key takeaway, I think. Um, you know, listen, I said right at the start of the show that I needed to kind of take a, a bit of a recline and think about what motivated me. And for you, your motivator might be the money. And that's totally okay. You know, if I bring it back to football, which is effectively all I know when it comes to talking about this, um, football players themselves get paid hundreds of thousands of pounds a week nowadays. They're extremely well remunerated. They can be millionaires at a very young age. And I'm lucky enough to be friends with a few footballers. And if you see the commodities they have, like some of the clothes they wear, the houses they have, the cars they have... That's all evident there, you know, tangibly in the money they make. It's it's there in the nice houses, the flash cars, the flash clothes, etc. You, you can see that wealth. It's visible. And it must be said that despite the fact these players get paid £100,000 a week or whatever it is, not all of them enjoy playing football. And I think more and more people now in football, players in particular I'm talking about here, have come out and basically suggested that they're very, very good at football, but they fell out of love with the game a long time ago and they're doing it for the money. And yeah. I think that that is something that um, is often questioned by every supporter because fans of the game, me included, sometimes think, how can you hate playing football? You know, it's the best job in the world. 
why why would you why would you hate playing football? But I think we need to respect exactly what we touched upon again yeah, in the first say, first few minutes of the said if you're doing it day in day out every single day yep. even mm-hmm. I mean sort of, football's an even more of an extreme because you have people controlling every aspect of your life down to what you eat and when you eat I'm assuming yeah um absolutely I mean a lot of players now have chefs that come to their house and cook them meals social media is obviously a huge part in the game not just in terms of what you post because you are effectively a brand now as a person. Your privacy is completely eroded away when you're a footballer. You can't just pop out to Nando's for a meal with your family um, because there are people with smartphones that will take photos of you and bother you and badger you. And that's kind of part of the package of being paid so well as a footballer is you, is you get that side of it. But I'm, I'm glad you brought up exactly what I was going to say, which is we spoke about it earlier on in the podcast, that you do something the same repetitively every, every day. That, that dream job sometimes quickly can become... Not a nightmare, but certainly less enjoyable. Yeah. And so that's kind of the point I'm making, that more players now are coming out and saying, I only play football for the money. So money being a motivator is not a negative thing. There are a lot of people that feel like you do in the same way. And, you know, if that's what, when you sit back and you take stock and you look around you and kind of zoom out a bit, if that's what motivates you, then that's absolutely fine. At least you found what motivates you and what gets you out of bed in the morning. And like you say, sometimes it's a struggle when it's cold and bed's warm and you can't be bothered. But if you know that you could possibly make some money from a day's work that you're not really too bothered about doing and it's going to make you feel better afterwards, then that's your motivator and that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I think bringing this down to a more relatable level than footballers is imagine you're in a situation (laughs) of, let's just say you're a front-end developer. And now front-end developers, you can probably fetch, if you're a decent front-end developer, 140k a year, let's say. But your passion is the design side of things, but you really want to be a graphic designer. I mean, graphic designers would probably struggle to push, unless you're really well-renowned and you've got other methods of income, you're probably struggling to push 60k a year. So you'd be doing these freelance gigs as a front-end developer, but wanting to be working in graphic design. But you can't transition to that because of the money it's kind of like in in a sense footballers must have this but 10 times harder because there's no other job that's ever going to pay them that it's like when a footballer retires like they go from yeah, you know 200k a yeah. week to zero like yeah. or they go into a job where you know they I might go the into f- a broadcasting job at like 80k yeah. a year or something which yeah. is you know what they'd make in five days yeah um, exactly that it's either when you retire you're either in the media on the telly or the radio or you become a manager that's it, you know, and football's a short career. And I don't want to keep talking about football. I'm conscious of that. But let's just say you retire at 35, which I think feels like an average age that players retired. That's not a statistic. That's what I feel kind of would be the average, really. 35 years of age, let's just say. Um, imagine retiring at 35. Now, you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. But as you say, that just stops. So then you need to think about the money you do have and whether you've invested it wisely. And then you're thinking about you know, the succession plan, the plan B, what are you going to do after your career? So I think that it's important to, Actually, to underline. I, I think you, you saying that has, has raised a really good point in my mind is that if you're, if, if you're working in or you have a skill set that's a highly paid skill that you don't necessarily enjoy doing, so let's just say you're a developer, for example, it's a really high demanding job. It requires a lot of focus, attention, like it's not something you could just slack off at because if you mess up, you me- you know you're gonna you're gonna break a lot of things and it's kind of a difficult thing to focus on. Not everyone can be um, a top developer, but if you're a top mm. developer getting paid 160k a year and you want to be a graphic designer, but you know you know you're gonna get 60k a year instead, 
I think what you could do is, I don't know what you think about this, but you could grid it out and grind for the, you know, five, six years or however long you plan to do it as a front-end developer. Save the money and invest the money until the money you're making from your investments would match the difference in the two jobs. And then you can transition being used to earning and taking 140K a year to having a 60K a year job while still taking 140K net. I mean... That's something that's doable. I mean, I've never hidden on this podcast that I'm quite lucky and I'm in a position where I'm a freelancer, but I've all, you know, I've got my own self-employed business, which effectively is just me. I'm a, I'm a sole trader. Um, and then I'm also employed Monday to Friday. I have a, I have a day job. And those two things together, you know, the freelance side of things, which is, which has really flown in the last six months more than I expected and my day job is getting to a point now where I have to try and not make a decision, but the balance between the two is is getting very, very close in terms of, you know, how much weight I'm putting on both. And I think that, you know, I, I'm, I've always said on this podcast, I will be open and transparent and honest because I think people always learn off of other people's experiences. And I'm still doing the same thing. Listening to you speak, you know, even today is has made me learn a few things and think a few different things. But that's definitely something I've considered. You know, I'm lucky that I'm in a position where I do get um, basic salary, basic income, where I know that I'm going to earn a certain amount a month. And then whatever I get on top with the freelance side of things is almost a, a bonus on top of that. Because, you know, the freelancing side of things for me is something I really want to make a fist of successfully, which I feel like I'm doing at the moment. But I still think there's loads of strides I want to make and places I still want to reach. But I'm in a position now where I've given myself a platform where if I wanted to go into freelancing full-time and uh, you know for me it is almost a full-time job at the moment as it is which is why it's been sort of quite difficult to kind of balance my time as I mentioned at the start of the show but it's almost one of those things where you know I've managed to engineer a position where I'm able to soon make a decision which could benefit me in my future now not everyone is going to get into that position and not everyone's going to want to do that but certainly I feel like having some sort of um, contingency plan is always useful now, it depends, I think, what sort of age you are, what sort of investments you've made, um, whether it's the be all and end all for you. I think these are all questions you need to ask yourself. And um, but but, you know, kind of your initial point of could you do this and then make your life um, slightly easier when it comes to transitioning into something you want to do full time. Yeah, absolutely. You could do that. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And, you know, that's something I'm intending to do at some point down the line and that's not to say I don't enjoy my Monday to Friday day job because I absolutely do I enjoy it and it's it's not really a, a chore I mean it can be a bit irritating as all jobs can be at times but it's one of those things where I'm prepared to put myself in this position and when it comes to the right time because I think freelancing is often about time and timing um, I think that I'll be in I'll be in good shape to do what I need to do. But again, we speak on this podcast. We can only speak from our own experiences and what we know and who we've spoken to. So someone listening to this might think I wouldn't do it that way, which is okay because everyone's different. Yeah, the way we label it, and especially just the whole 100k freelancer club in general, is we're not setting out a guide to strictly follow. We're yeah. giving you information. So from ourselves, from the guests that we have on, the guests that come on and deliver our masterclass and courses, we're giving you the information so you can come to an educated decision yourself. And yeah, that is this really a really important point that I wanted to get across. 
it's not a how-to guide in terms it's not a get rich quick scheme or anything like that is it it's a here's as much advice as we can give you from the lessons we've learned that we've found that can help us um you know develop and grow as freelancers and we think that you might enjoy them too and you know we've heard for some for some great people like you know Nick Kirikides, we've we've heard from him and how he kind of developed himself from just a, a normal guy, no um, events intended to Nick, to someone who's now a, a leader in his field, you know, and he's done that through graft and um, determination, but also effort and time and balancing out um, what he's been doing, and you know that they're all processes that we have to follow and we have to take and for some people it will work faster than others uh, for some people it won't work at all for others it will work straight away i mean there's no there's no you know how to guide that guarantees you success as a freelancer and i think that that is the uniqueness and what makes it such an interesting thing to pull together all of our experiences because you know it's different for every person and i think we need to respect that and i definitely agree with what you say about the 100k freelancer club all of the basics and the ingredients are there and whatever you want to bake with those ingredients is totally up to you. <laughs> Fantastic analogy. Love the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, 100%. And I think on that note as well, we'll end out this podcast and obviously anybody listening, um, you can head to www.100kfreelancerclub.com. You can sign up for a free account where you're going to get access to our live masterclasses. So every two weeks, we have a live masterclass um, delivered by members of the 100k freelance club team and some fantastic guests we've had a number of amazing successful masterclasses including a masterclass on how freelance creatives could benefit from nfts we did that in collaboration with an nft platform and that was super good Gabe, we've done a masterclass with nick on pricing and how to price yourself as a freelancer so head over to www.100kfreelancerclub.com and sign up for your free account today. We're going to end out this podcast here. We are going to be doing these on Monday, so make sure you subscribe to YouTube. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. It's really going to help us out and help us continue to deliver advice to freelancers from around the world. 